0: Wow, we've done a lot so far today, right? Hey, grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. I'm going to be moving quick. We're in week two of a series we're calling our History Series. And what we're doing is we're looking back in the Old Testament at Old Testament accounts, seeing what God did there in the past, and then what application that might have for us today. And because we're in the book of 1 Samuel 17, you may already know that the account we're talking about today is the beautiful, the beautiful story of David and Goliath. And so what we're going to do is I want you to just keep your Bible open there to, 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 to first Samuel 17, but I'm going to kind of talk you through the story, but then we'll drop in some, some verses here just to make sure we're on track. But again, moving quickly, here we go. Philist, the Philistines, Philistines decide that they want to, um, Engage in war with Israel. So the Bible tells us that, that they go out to this hillside and the Philistines, their army camps on this hill over here. Well, of course, Israel responds and brings out all of their army, and they camp on this hill over here. And then there's this valley in between, and and, and the, the valley, the floor of this valley is gonna be where where the, the battle happens. Now the Bible doesn't say this, but this is my assumption. That the leaders of the Philistine army, again, just Jody's opinion, got together and said, why endanger thousands of people in a war? Why don't we just pick our champion from our side? We'll let Israel pick a champion from their side, and we'll just let two men fight, and only one man dies in this war. Now, we don't know that that's the decision that they made, but what we do know is that their champion was sent out from from the troops of, of of the Philistines. And this man's name was Goliath. Now the best we know about Goliath, the best we can figure is that he was somewhere between nine foot and nine foot nine inches tall. Everybody just say big dude, big fella. We know that he had elaborate armor. He had a chain mail that he wore, and he wore shin guards and a plate on his back and a helmet on his head. The total weight of the armor that he wore was 125 pounds. That was a big dude just to carry the armor around. He had a sword and he had a spear. The Bible tells us that the, the, the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds and, and the shaft of it was a beaver's, was a a weaver's beam. I knew I was going to say it. I had it right. It was a weaver's beam. Now, who knows what a weaver's beam is? I don't. Best I can figure is a fence post, okay? He also had a, had a shield, but he didn't carry his shield. There was a guy that carried his shield for him. Now, if Goliath was nine foot tall, probably a big shield. And I just picture this little dude carrying this big shield. And it was all he could do to carry Goliath's shield. So Goliath goes out, and he he goes out into the valley down there, and and here's what he said to the armies of Israel. This is verse 10 in 1 Samuel 17. He says, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And then here's, here's how Israel responded to this taunt. It says, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken real men of faith, amen? So he would go out, and the Bible tells us that he would, he would do this. He would go out onto the battlefield and taunt them twice a day. He did it in the morning, and he did it in the evening. And the Bible also tells us that he did this for 40 days. So in other words, he'd go out into the, in the morning and say, I defy the armies of Israel, send me a man. And when a man didn't come out, Best I know is he went back for some lunch, maybe got a nap in, and then back in the evening, there he was again, doing it again. And he did it for 40 days. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a ridiculous amount of time. Talking about like five and a half weeks of doing the same thing every day and getting the same results every day. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Insanity. I mean, this was an and just an obscene amount of time, but here it was so much time. Let me just say this: that I believe that that time frame had to be orchestrated by God. I just think God reached down in His sovereignty and and kind of stretched that timeline. Now, Jody, why would you say that? Well, because the the number forty in the Bible is an important number. If you ever study. Um, biblical numerology, you'll know that the, the number 40 is an important number. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness to fast and to be tempted, how long was he there? 40 days. Remember when Noah's, um, after he built his ark, it rained. How long did it rain? 40 days and 40 nights. The children of Israel in their, in their wandering around the wilderness, how long did they go? 40 years. That number's important. And the number 40 in biblical numerology, what it means is transformation. It's the number of transformation. It's the number of breakthrough. It's the number of, of new growth. And so I believe God stretched this thing out. Goliath coming out twice a day, taunting them for 40 days. And on 40 days, breakthrough was coming. But it came in an unusual shape, in an unusual form. It came in the shape of a young man who our best estimate was he was between 16 and 19 years old. His name was David. And David's brothers were in the army. And so David's back home with his dad. And his dad tells him, hey, I want you to go check on your brothers. Go down to the front, check on them, get a report from me about what's going on in the battlefield. Now, what he didn't know was that the report that David would bring home is your sons are a bunch of cowards hiding behind their tents currently. But he also gave him some food, some grain and some bread and some cheese. And he said, bring this to your brothers and bring it to the captains over them and, uh, and just, just find out what's going on. Bring a report from me. So when David makes it to the battlefield, it just happens to be at one of those moments where Goliath is out there and he's doing his thing and David hears it. And so when David hears this Philistine This Philistine defying the armies of God, he turns and he asks a question of some soldiers. Look at with me at verse 26. Say, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? And I love this question. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So David begins to ask some bold questions. Well, that created kind of a buzz because everybody else was hiding in fear. And all of a sudden, David's standing up and saying, wait, something's not right here. And so he creates a a, a buzz in the camp. In fact, his brother hears about it. And and one of his brothers comes and fusses at him. He says, you're just a troublemaker. And you're just just here to, to get the local gossip. But not only did his brother hear about him, King Saul heard about him. So King Saul summoned David to his quarters, so David shows up there, and and Saul begins to talk to him uh, about his intentions and says, hey, I I hear you're asking questions about this Philistine, and I love what David says to him. Look at verse 32 with me. This This little young man says, don't worry about the Philistines, David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Well, of course, when King Saul heard that, he was at complete ease. So it's going to be handled then. David, this teenager is going to go fight this Philistine, right? No, no, no. He says, he says listen, you can't do this. He said, listen, Goliath, he's been in the UFC since he was a toddler. <laughs> like this is a bad dude, Right. And so he begins to say, you can't win this. But I love what David does beginning in verse 34. He, he, talks to, he talks to Saul about his experiences and how the Lord's come through for him. Look with me at verse 34. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes out to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, of course, what I do is I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Peter's not excited about that, but yes, that's what happened. And he says, I've done this with both the lion and the bears, and I'm going to do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Look, apparently... That little speech gave Saul some confidence in him and said, well, okay, we'll just go get hot then. But he tried to give him some armor. He said, listen, if you're going to go do this here, take my armor and put it on you so you'll have some armor. But what we know about Saul was that Saul was a head taller than anybody else in Israel. So he was a big man. David, 16, 17, 18 year old. Can you imagine him being in Saul's armor. Remember when you were a kid and you put your dad's coat on? That's kind of how I picture it. David tries it on and so said this this isn't going to work. And so, the Bible says instead of taking taking Saul's armor, it said that he grabbed his staff and his sling. And he went to the, to the brook, to the creek, and he grabbed five smooth stones. Now, none of us really know why he grabbed five stones. It's been said, and you probably heard it, that Goliath had four brothers, and he was about to take the whole family out. <laughs> so he grabs, his, he grabs this gear, and he walks out onto the battlefield, and there's Goliath. And he's standing there taunting the armies of Israel, and Goliath looks at him and says, "'Am I a dog?' that you would send a little boy out with a switch to come fight me. But I love David's reply. Here's what David said, beginning in verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know, and I love this, that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, hallelujah, but not with sword or spear. or spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. So verse 48, as, as Goliath moved closer to attack, I love this too, you ready? David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. God put a little extra kinetic energy on that stone and it sunk into his head. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. There is a God in Israel. Amen. I love this. Can I just, I love little trivial things like this, and I want to give it to you before I move forward. Did you catch in this that that David didn't kill Goliath with a stone? He just knocked him unconscious with it. He took out Goliath's sword, and that's what killed him. He used his own sword against him. I just think that's cool. So now you know something that most people don't know is that it wasn't the, the rock that killed David, right? It was actually his sword. Now, great story, and I love, I love stories like this because it speaks of the might and the power of our God. But what we have to look at is what is the application for us today? I say this to you all the time. The Old Testament gives us physical pictures of spiritual truths. So what is the spiritual truth that you and I should take away from this? I need to move quickly, so get ready. I'm going to come at you like a fire hose. Here's what you need to know, is that at some point in our life, at multiple points in our life, and often at the same time, we all have giants in our world. We all have giants. We all face giants. Now, you may say, Jody, what is a giant? Please listen to me right here. A giant is that thing that looms large in your life. It's that thing that robs your peace. It's that thing that causes worry and anxiety and stress in your life. It's that thing that causes fear in your world. Each one of us, we face giants at some point or another. It may be a health problem that's the giant in your world right now. It may be a financial problem or a relational problem. It doesn't matter, but we all face giants. And at the moment we read about in 1 Samuel 17, here's what, here's what I figure happened. This giant is looming large on that battlefield and everybody in the Israeli army are, they're fixated on the size of the problem. There's something huge in their life. And, and let me just, I'm going to be vivid with you here this morning. I think every one of those soldiers, if you were to watch their eyes, they were here. They were looking up at least nine foot tall because this problem was looming over them. Their eyes were here. But here's something about David. We know that his eyes weren't up there. If you look in verse 26 and in verse 36, you'll see how how David identified Goliath. And it happens twice. And and in the Bible, we know when something happens twice, it means pay attention. Remember when Jesus would say to people, verily, verily. That second time was for emphasis. So we find David addressing Goliath two times in the same way. And here's how it read in the New Living Translation that we just read. He called him a pagan Philistine. But if you were to read that in The King James, the King James version says that David called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. Now that's important. And I know this isn't good church talk. It's okay, you can laugh. It's it's all right, I brought up the subject. But he said, he called him an uncircumcised giant. Now why would he do that? Because listen, in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish tradition, circumcision was an important part of their life. When you, have a, when you had a male child born into your family, on the eighth day, he would be circumcised. Now, why? Because circumcision speaks of covenant. Circumcision, when an when a eight-day-old child is circumcised, he is now underneath the covenant that God has with Israel. And so what David is doing here, everybody else is looking, their eyes are fixated on, on how big this problem was. But I think that David's eyes were here, which on a nine foot tall man, (laughs) I think at some point David's like, My wife is like blushing on the front row. She's just. So everybody else is fixated on the size. David's fixated on the covenant. Listen, a covenant, a covenant is, it's a divinely ordained relational bond. It's a divinely ordained relational bond. And covenant is, it's the official mechanism through which God works to render his judgment into history. Covenant is important. You'll see covenant all throughout the Bible. You see that God would make covenant with people throughout the Old Testament. It moved into the, to the new covenant, the new Testament, which means new covenant. And at the night of the last supper, Jesus handing the cup to his disciples and saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant is important. David understood out of all the people on the Israeli side, there was only one man who understood what covenant with God meant. Everybody else was fixated on the size of the problem. This man said, Wait a minute, I've got a covenant with God, and this problem does not. That puts me in the advantage. He's focusing on the covenant. Listen to me, church. If you're born again here today, you have a covenant with the living God. The same covenant that delivered Israel from Goliath is the covenant that covers your life. It's available to you. It's a legal right we have. It's not a covenant in my blood. It's a covenant in the blood of the precious lamb of God. The the covenant cut in the blood of the son of God. We have a covenant. And I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know what your challenge is right now. If it's big, it doesn't matter if you've got a covenant and it doesn't. This is about covenant. It's about covenant. It's interesting too. When, when Goliath referred to the armies of Israel, he called them. He said Goliath would say, well, you are, you are the armies of Israel or you're the armies of Saul. But when David referred to the armies of Israel, he said, no, these aren't just the, the army of Saul are just people of a certain citizenship. These are the armies of the living God. Listen to me. As the church, we're not just good church folks. We're not just good citizens. No, we are an army of the living God with a covenant with the same God that delivered Israel and David from Goliath. That same covenant extends into our life. It's available to us. But it's interesting, you had all these people who had a covenant with God, but didn't understand what it meant. There was only one person, and that one person came on the 40th day because 40th day was a day of breakthrough. And on day 40, somebody who understood the power of the covenant showed up and brought change. There was transformation, there was breakthrough when somebody with a covenant showed up who knew what that meant. Everybody else had the same covenant, they just didn't understand what it meant. What's the application for us here today? Come on, church. If you're born again, you've got a covenant with the living God. You've got a covenant with the living God. You know what a, you know what a covering is? Part One of the characteristics of a covenant is it's a covering. It's, a, it's protection. It's a covering, covenant. But you know, if you ever think about a day when it's raining and then you grab your umbrella, what is the umbrella? The umbrella is your covering But how many of you know, if you just carried that umbrella with you and didn't open it, you wouldn't receive the benefits of the covering if it wasn't open in your life. Not only do, once we open it, what do we have to do? We have to align ourselves under it to receive the benefits of the covering. I submit to you that there's people in here today who you've got a covenant with God, but you've never activated that covering and you don't know how to align yourself under the covering of the covenant of God. Listen, the covering is there for our protection, but we've got to be underneath it. What does that mean? It means we've got to walk in obedience to God. David said that this battle, that God, this was the Lord's battle and God would win that battle, but he didn't stay back there on the couch. He got in the game, he activated his faith. He was obedient to the thing. And so there's things that you and I are believing for. You know, I said a minute ago, that, that, you, that a financial situation may be the, the, the giant that's, that's looming over you today. Well, guess what? If you've got a covenant with God, then his financial provision is available for you today. Now, to align yourself under that covenant, you go to praying about it. You know what God may say? Are you being obedient to, to handle your finances in the way that I told you to do it? Are you a tither? You may be praying, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me from this giant. And God's saying, get underneath the umbrella. Align yourself with my covenant. Come on, I'm preaching good right now. Better than y'all are responding. (laughs) This is good stuff. When I yield to his lordship and I do things... That he tells me to do when I align, when I seek first his kingdom, when I study his word to find out his will and his way and what he wants me to do. And when it's time for me to make a business decision, I don't just launch out on my own, but I go and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? When things pop up, who do you want me to marry? How do you want me to handle my finances? What do you want me to do? And when we're obedient to him, we find ourselves under the covering of his covenant and we enjoy the benefits of being covered by his covenant. Church, we need to get our eyes off the giants in our life. We were singing this morning about fear and anxiety. And, and I know that today there's more anxiety. Since COVID, anxiety has gone rampant in the world. There's so many people eaten up with worry and anxiety. Let me tell you, church, listen, it's time for you to get your eyes off the worry and get your eyes off the anxiety and quit claiming it for yourself and quit doing all. And you just need to stand up and say, you know what? I have a covenant with God and this thing has no place in me. This doesn't belong in my life. I'm gonna stand on my covenant. I'm gonna align myself by following, by following and being obedient to the Lord. If he tells me to do a step of faith, I'm gonna gonna obey him. Align yourself with that covenant. Your miracle is in the covenant that God made with you. But if we don't understand it, we walk around with closed umbrellas. We walk around with, I'm holding an umbrella out here and not receiving the cover and all, covering of it. Did that mean anything to you today? Come on, let's just thank the Lord for that word.